0: Good morning and welcome to the Network Live. I'm your host, Debbie Rule. Today we'll be celebrating Father's Day with Pastor Jimmy Evans on a message about honoring your father. Happy Father's Day to everyone out there. I hope you enjoy this message today on the Network Live.
1: And so I absolutely love being a father and a grandfather. It's just one of the greatest things in my life. Now, this, this message is called honoring our two fathers. So to turn to Ephesians 6. And also to 1 Peter 3. Put your finger there in 1 Peter 3, but turn to Ephesians chapter 6. And I want, I want to talk about honoring both of our fathers because we have two fathers. And so um, my dad uh, died about, he went to be with the Lord about seven years ago. I had many opportunities to, you know, spend Father's Day with him and to express to him my appreciation. But at my age, what I realize is you just don't have forever to do that. There comes a time when our dads go be with the Lord, and you know. So when they're here, it's a special opportunity to tell them how much they mean to us. But uh, I want to talk about this, and we'll read from Ephesians 6 here in just a minute. I want to begin by talking about some basic reasons why we honor our fathers, because it's very, very important and very powerful. And the first is the Bible commands it. This is this is you know Father's Day to God is every day. Father's Day to God is not an annual holiday. It's every single day when God commands us to honor our fathers. This is Ephesians chapter 6, and it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. Now, this comes actually from Deuteronomy 5.16. But this is an Old Testament and a New Testament promise. Listen to me. God says this. If you honor your mothers and fathers, he gives you two promises. You'll live a long life, and it will be well with you. Now, when you have children, for our children and grandchildren, isn't that what you want? Isn't that kind of game, set, and match for what all of us want in life is we want to live long, and we want it to go well with us? Now, uh, my parents and my wife's parents, we grew up watching them honor their parents. And my father honored his parents. I watched it all through my life. That's one of the things my dad did very, very well. My dad has nine brothers and sisters. He grew up in in abject poverty, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that story here in just a little bit. Uh, But with nine brothers and sisters, my grandmother's house was falling down, literally. When I was about 10 years old, my grandmother's house was falling down. And when you went into the bathroom in my, my grandmother's house, if you stepped in the wrong place, you went through the floor. So everybody know, you know, all the strangers got hurt. But everybody, you know, all the people. That, but we knew where not to step in my grandmother's bathroom because you went through the floor. And so my father, of all the siblings, my father took the initiative to get my grandmother a new house. And so and my parents, they were struggled to say the very least. But I watched my father honor his, my, his parents. I watched my mother do the same thing when my grandparents were, you know, older and couldn't provide for themselves. My mother uh, and my father provided for my grandmother. Karen's parents did the same thing. I watched Karen's parents just do an incredible job of honoring uh, their parents. It's just something that Karen and I grew up with. It was our culture. So, so how, did, how did God reward my parents uh, or our parents? Uh, my father went to be a the Lord at 80 years old. He had six cancers for 20 years that wouldn't kill him. I mean, he just like like he wouldn't die. (laughs) And I believe it was because he had a will to live. I also believe it's because God invoked the promise of Ephesians 6 on my father because he honored his parents. My mother's 87, going strong. Karen's parents are in their late 80s. Of all of our parents who honored the Lord, the youngest that died was 80 years old. And I believe that this is a true promise. Now listen, as parents, if you love your children, you'll train them to honor you. Because when your children honor you, they're invoking this promise upon their lives. This is a very, very powerful thing. You say, you know something, Jimmy? I want to live, live a long time, and I want it to go well with me. Honor your mother and father. And this is what this day is about. This is a reminder of how important it is. But what I'm saying to us is, this is important with God. This is so important with God, he puts one of the most important promises that we could ever get in Honoring our mothers and fathers. And there's no qualifier to it. And what I mean by that is it doesn't say here honor your mother and father if they're honorable. Honor your mother and father if they do everything that you want, which none of our parents did. Is honor your mother and father if it's a non-qualified commandment. You honor your mother and father. Regardless, honor your mother and father. And so that's the first reason that we honor our mothers and fathers. The second reason that we honor our fathers is it meets our father's deepest need and motivates them to do well? Now, when I do marriage seminars, what I teach women is that respect is a man's mega need. Of all, and women have important needs that men must meet. But of all the needs that men have, our most important need, our mega need, is the need for respect. And it's so powerful that we will change our behavior for the person who's giving it to us. Now, this is. First uh, Peter three, where I ask you to turn there. The second scripture, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some of them do not obey the word, they may be one without a word, by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, so you say, my husband's doing something wrong. How do I respond to that? Well, you're your husband's equal in every way. You can say anything that you want to say, but the point here, you say it respectfully. Okay, listen, criticism is our kryptonite, and honor is our oxygen. Criticism never motivates a man. It wounds our spirit. What motivates a man is when you give us more respect than we deserve. Let me turn, and so I'm I'm not talking to wives. I'm talking to children. When you honor your father when he doesn't deserve it, it motivates him to do better but criticism wins. So this is something as, ch- as wives and as children, God gave men the need for respect, and he gave children the commandment to respect their, their fathers. And when you put that together, you have a very, very powerful thing. But understand, when you honor your father, not just on Father's Day, but every day, it is meeting one of his most important needs. It's a very, very powerful thing. The third thing, that the third reason that we honor our fathers is it honors the God-ordained institution of fatherhood in society, which is under attack. Everything in the Bible is under attack in our society, and I'll explain to you more in just a minute about who fathers are and how God created the institution of fatherhood, but we had an event here in Southlake. Our offices, our marriage day offices are here in Southlake, and we had an event here, and some folks, people came from all over the country to our event, and one of the couples that came to our event checked into a hotel here in Southlake and they came to the counter to check in and the guy behind the counter said hey what brings you to Southlake and they said well we're going to one of Jimmy Evans marriage events and the guy behind the counter said does anybody really care about marriage anymore that's that's where our society has come let me answer that yes God cares about marriage and God's people care about marriage that's the answer to that question But do you understand when you're honoring your father, you're standing for a God-ordained institution because God created the institution of fatherhood? And I want to say, if you're a man who takes your role as a father or grandfather seriously, I want to honor you because you're standing up for the God-ordained institution of fatherhood in society, and you deserve that honor. If you're a couple and you take your marriage seriously and you take your role as parents seriously, you deserve honor because you're salt and light to a society that is destroying itself. We need to remember, when we stand up for the God-ordained institution of fatherhood, we are being salt and light to our society because everything that is godly and everything that is in the Bible is under full-scale assault, but we need to understand it doesn't matter what the world says, it matters what God says. And greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And we don't follow the world. We follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And fatherhood is essential to every single society that is going to stand. And so that, those are just the basic reasons. You say, well, why, why is Father's Day important? That's it right there. That's just some basic reasons. But let me, let me talk about four facts about our fathers. These things are true now about you. Every single person watching, listening right now, here are four things that are true about all of us related to our two fathers. Number one, we all have two fathers, an earthly father and a heavenly father. We don't just have one father. This is Matthew chapter six. This is Jesus speaking. He said, but you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. See in the old Testament, God was behind curtains and on top of mountains and and was mysterious and somewhat austere and, and was to be feared to some degree because he just didn't show himself like this but in the new testament jesus came in the sermon on the mount and he transformed the world with one word father that was the word that jesus used in the new testament that had not been heard before god is an intimate loving father i want you to know you have two fathers not one father You have a father here on earth and you also have a heavenly father. The second truth about our two fathers is our two fathers were designed to operate as a team. They were designed to operate together. This is Genesis chapter 1. It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God made Adam in his image, then he commanded him to have children. Fathers are image bearers of God to their children. You say, why did God create fathers? So that God would have an image bearer before every child on the face of the earth. The number one role of a father is to lead his child into an understanding of who God is. I am an image bearer of God, whether I realize it or not. We are image bearers of God to our children. And so God, from the very beginning, God linked who he is to earthly fathers and said, hey, let's operate as a team. Unfortunately, Adam rebelled, and that marred the image of God to Cain and Abel and to all the children after that. And by Genesis 6, the world had become corrupt. But fathers are to operate as a team, okay? Number three, truth about our two fathers. Our concept of our heavenly father is mostly derived by our earthly father. Remember, God created him and earthly fathers to operate as a team. So our concept of who God is is most derived by our earthly father. And so we naturally attribute to God what our fathers do right. When you were growing up, your fathers and your parents to some degree, because mothers are extremely powerful, obviously, in a child's life. But remember, we call our earthly fathers fathers and godfather. So our earthly father, whether we realized it or not growing up, was actually modeling for us who God was. And so what our fathers did right, we naturally attribute. Let me say this. If your father was generous, you naturally believe that God's generous. If your father's loving and affectionate and caring and attentive and gracious, all of those things, you naturally, it's just easy for you to believe that about God. We had a friend of ours in high school that her father charged her rent as a child. He was the tightest human. I didn't lie. I mean, we went over to her house all the time. None of us liked him. He was just a mean guy. And he told her in in sophomore in high school, he said, you pay rent or you move out. And I thought, you know, most fathers are kind of protective. You don't, it's hard to have a concept of God that He's caring and generous and attentive when your earthly father's telling you to pay rent or move out. And so when our fathers don't do well, it's hard for us to believe God in that area of our lives. And here are the five things that fathers should do that help build a child's concept of God this is the image of God. Number one is protection. God is a protective God. He protects us. Provision. God is a lavish, generous provider for us. Number three is nurture and affection. God is so affectionate. I I love the intimate affection that God gives us. Number four is training, the right modeling. God models. Jesus came to model for us how to live our lives. And the fifth is guidance. Training means Living, living your life in front of your child so that they know how to live their lives. But guidance is personal. I may have been this in life, but I want to help to guide you in the way that you should go to fulfill your God-ordained role in society. And so protection, provision, nurture, affection, training, guidance, that's the image of God. And so number four, truth about our two fathers. Our earthly fathers are imperfect and our heavenly father's perfect. Now, I know some of you had terrific fathers, and I'm just saying, and thank God for that. It puts you at a natural advantage. But understand, all fathers on this earth are imperfect. And here's what Jesus said in Matthew 7:11: If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And I think that, I'm just imagining the disciples, Jesus turning and saying, If you then, being evil, know how to give, I just imagine the disciples going, Did he just call us evil? I think he just called us evil. God doesn't have a sin nature. Let me say this this is a comparative statement. The best Father on earth is evil in comparison to God the Father because God the Father is the most awesome parent in the universe that's how good he is now let me say something to you, listen to me you have a perfect father and sometimes when I see people who are kind of hurting and grieving over their past, here's what I say to them I say it very lovingly you need to stop grieving over the father you didn't have and start thanking God for the father you have because you have a perfect father. Yeah. And sometimes on Father's Day, you know, some, sometimes people struggle. And I want to tell my story about how I find, found peace with both of my fathers. Because I have peace with both of my fathers today. And, but I didn't. And I'm going to honor my father. Part of this message is I want to honor my father. But I want to tell this story because some of you may be able to relate to it. When I take the five roles a father should play in his child's life, my father fulfilled two. Um, he basically pr- protected me, and he provided for me. We were, uh, you know, just of meager means growing up, but my father was a hard worker, and um, he didn't touch me. Uh, there was no physical affection at all, period, in my life. He didn't talk to me. Uh, my father wasn't a talker, and he just was, didn't talk. You know, I mean, a few words here and there, but mostly just telling me what to do or something. Um, never came to a game. Never trained me to do anything. Just you know, he was just not there. Uh, but he did protect and provide. And the best years my father's life revolved around his work. And the best years of our relationship were when I worked for my dad. Before I came into the ministry, I worked for my dad, and uh, we were. I mean, that was his world. So when I came into his world and started working with him, I mean, we had we had a great relationship, and that was kind of his deal. Until the day I went to the ministry, and I, the Lord had called me to the ministry. And I dreaded going into my dad's office and telling him I was going into the ministry. Uh, My dad was not a Christian. And I went into his office one day and I said, hey, Daddy, I need to tell you something. He said, what? And I said, well, the Lord's called me into the ministry and I'm going to go to work for the church. He said, no, you're not. You just need to work and make money and send the church your money. That's all they need from you. I said, Daddy, the Lord's called me to preach. And I'm going to work for the church. He said, I never want to see you again. My dad disowned me. It was one of the worst days of my life, and so I got in my car, and I was driving away from the store, and um, I was sitting on the street, and the Lord said, pray that your dad will get saved and come to Trinity, the church that I was gonna pastor. And I came on staff as an associate pastor. And it was hard for me to have that kind of faith that my dad would get saved. But a couple of years later, my mom and dad went into a hard time and, and I went to be with them one day and they looked at me and they said, we don't know what to do. And I just talked, I just witnessed them. I just said, you need Jesus. You know, you've made business your God and you know, it's not gone well for you, but God loves you and you know, you need Jesus. And my parents, I led my parents to Christ that day and my parents started coming to Trinity and I was the senior pastor at that point. And they started coming, they thought I was Billy Graham. They thought I was the greatest preacher they'd ever heard. <laughs> every every sermon. <clears throat> every sermon I preached was the greatest sermon. And every time I gave an altar call, my dad responded. I know you just get saved once, but I know he's in heaven. (laughs) But my parents didn't know how to touch. They didn't know how to be affectionate. They grew up in the depression. Well, at Trinity, the church, it's like Gateway, the church I pastored in Amarillo. The first time Karen and I came to Trinity, a guy walked up and hugged me and told me he loved me. I was going to slug him. <laughs> they just thought, buddy, you're way up in my space here now. You don't do that. And uh, they're just affectionate. When my parents came to Trinity, that people started hugging them. My parents, didn't hug, my parents didn't touch. And they people started, so listen, my parents sat in the parking lot every weekend. till the door's open, so they could walk in and be hugged. And my dad became the sweetest, most affectionate man. Whatever he liked growing up, he more than made up for it as an adult. We had so many good times together but I still grew up with a man who never touched me and talked with me or anything like that. And it affected my concept of God. And regardless of the fact that I had a healed relationship with my father, I struggled with my relationship with God as a pastor. It was easy for me to pray and believe that, you know, I had some kind of a business relationship with God where I prayed and he'd answer, but it was hard for me to deal with him as a father. And, the breakthrough in my relationship with God as my father, my, my relationship with my earthly father was healed. Beautiful, beautiful. And let me tell you, my dad was the best grandfather in the whole world. But the breakthrough in my relationship with God as my father came in steps. The first step was I got a prophetic word one day. I didn't really believe that God knew who I was. You know, when the Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, I thought, well, I'm in the world but I didn't know he knew my name. And we were in a church service on the back row and a pastor said, I have a word for this young man right back here. And it was me. And I stood up and he read my mail. He knew exact details that were happening. This is one of the important things about the gift of prophecy. He read my mail and I sat down and here's what I thought. You mean God knows who I am? And it it rocked my world to think that God really knew me. Then, Karen started giving. I didn't give. I was not the giver. Giving terrified me. Karen was the giver in our family. And Karen started giving to the Lord, and we began to see miracles through giving. And I thought, you really think that God maybe is a part of our lives here? And then I started reading the Bible, John 16. These things I have spoken to you in figurative language, but the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you'll ask in my name. I do not say that I shall pray the Father for you, for the Father Himself loves you because He has uh, bec- loves you because you have loved Me, and have believed that I came forth from God. I read scriptures like that where Jesus says, you, "I won't have to ask Him on your behalf. He loves you." But I still struggle. until one day I was praying and I was telling the Lord, I, I'm, "I'm struggling, believing You love me, and I don't want to be deceived." I don't want to be deceived into believing you love me when you're mad at me or maybe you don't. And here's what the Lord said to me that broke through my heart. Treat me like I'm the perfect father until you prove me wrong. And it was just like the Lord was throwing down the gauntlet says, "Why don't you just begin to relate to me as though I'm the perfect father?" Can I say he is the perfect father? Yeah. The perfect provider the perfect nurturer, the perfect guider. In every area of being a father, he is the perfect father. And it healed my heart. Something happened in that moment that healed my heart. And I'm thankful that when my dad went to be with the Lord, we were perfect. But I'm thankful that I know God the Father Is my perfect heavenly father and have an intimate relationship with him. Let me end this message by talking about how to honor both of our fathers on Father's Day and really every day. Number one, honor your earthly father by remembering what he did right and thanking him for it. The devil is the accuser of the brethren. The devil wants us to always remember what was wrong and what we didn't have. But I want to honor my father by saying, first of all, he gave me the gift of life. And if our fathers did nothing else, we're here because of them. And we need to honor them because they gave us the opportunity to live. My father provided for me and protected me. He changed. He humbled himself, received Christ, and he changed. As a man in his 60s, he was a wonderful father to me as an adult. Encouraged me, loved me, A wonderful grandfather. I encourage you, focus on the good things and not the bad. And as long as your father is here, you tell him often what he means to you. The second thing is honor your father, your earthly father, by giving him grace for his shortcomings and imperfections. A lot of times our parents do things that we think are odd maybe, but we don't know why. My father, I could never figure him out until my two aunts one day told me My father slept outside every night my father never slept inside as a child he slept on a cot outside in the winter time he slept with the horses he ate meat once a week he grew up during the depression They, they were they were dirt broke and at first grade my dad showed up for school without shoes he didn't know they were poor they lived in the country he didn't have anything to compare it to but he went to school first grade and he didn't have any shoes on He saw other children with shoes on, it shamed him, he went out and grabbed a tree in the front yard and wouldn't let go because he was just so ashamed. My father worked, he didn't know any better because no one ever taught him any better. He had nine brothers and sisters, he didn't get a lot of his father, but my father didn't stay at work and not come to my games because he was a bad father. My father worked hard so I could sleep inside and eat regular meals. Your parents may have handed you baggage, but I promise you, someone handed them some. And when I look at my parents and my wife's parents, they're incredible people to have endured what they did and to be the people they became. Number three, honor your heavenly father by believing in his love and putting your faith in him. He loves being a father, and when we don't put faith in him, we rob him of the opportunity to be a father. I love being a father, and I love being pappy. I think I love being a pappy better than being a father. (laughs) For all of you here parents, you understand. I love being a father. I love it when my children and grandchildren need me. And I don't want that to be unhealthy, but it would devastate me if they didn't need me. God loves being a father more than any earthly father does. And he loves it when you need him. And the last thing is this. Honor your heavenly father by being the best father you can be to your children. If you're a father, you're an image bearer of God. And when you're a good father, you're honoring God the Father by saying, I take my role seriously as being an image bearer.
0: If you would like more information about being a guest on The Network Live, contact us at thenetworklive.org. The Network Live will be back next week at 10 a.m. right here on KNEO Radio 95.3 FM and KNEOradio.com. I'm Debbie Rule. Thank you for listening today.